Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Well, good morning, Thrive. Um, I know some of you are like, you're not supposed to be speaking, and that is correct. Uh, We had a guest speaker, second in a row, who called and canceled just days before. Um, He got really sick, and you know, uh, Pastor Damien, a few weeks ago, got injured, and I just feel like maybe we need to lay low on guest speakers from the outside, because the next one could die. So... (laughs) Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, whatever, God, we trust you, and, uh, and uh, the Bible says, uh, be ready in season, out of season, and I am, so uh, I'm preaching to you today, and uh, you're going you're gonna to just, your lives will be forever changed, it'll be amazing. Um, no, we're so glad you're here, but we are in a series shuffle playlist, so every week's different. Um, and you're going to hear about kind of uh, kingdom finances and post-COVID world today. That is not what you're going to hear about today now at all uh, because I am not the guy. Uh, my friend Chris, who we are going to reschedule, we'll bring him in uh, as, soon as, we, as soon as he can make it back and come up. Uh, he's a fiduciary. He's been featured in Forbes magazine and U.S. News and World Report. And one of my best friends from Bible college, we were roommates together. And, uh, and, and he's financially, he's been very blessed, but bigger than that, man, he has such a heart for the kingdom of God. He has such a heart for, for Christians to be biblical. He was even, and I won't say where, um, but he was even in a very large seeker church that he's been in for a long time. And in the last year, he even left that church saying, and repenting to his family saying, I've just spiritually fallen asleep and I can't do it anymore. Uh, I need to be awake spiritually. I need to be leading and loving my family. And I need to be in a church that preaches the word even in ways I don't want to hear it. And that's just what God's doing in his life. And, and really what that was, and that's what we're going to talk about here today, is a pruning that happened in his life. A, a, a cutting away at what was going on in him. Have you ever had a moment in life where God just shifted something or your life just shifted something hard? And fast, and you did not see it coming. Like it just went like wham, hard left turn, bam, hard right turn, just out of nowhere. Just what? What am I supposed to do now? There was a, there was a season where I was man, things were just going well. I thought it was awesome, and then one day it just wasn't. One day, hard turn, uh, lost all favor, and uh, and and they wanted me gone. And I was like, did I, did I, did I fall into the upside down? Like. What happened here? Where did the alternate universe that I wasn't living in happen to me? What did I do? And, like, has that happened to anybody? Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and I would tell you, almost every time, it is because God is about to do something in your life. It is not necessarily caused by God. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, God took my left arm off. Thank you, Lord. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God will use it. God is about to do something in your life. So the scripture for today, okay, that we're going to be talking about is John 15, verses 1 and 2. If you got your Bibles, you can head on over there, but it's on the screen. 
Jesus is preaching to his disciples. It's not very long before he's going to be crucified. Uh, and he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father's the gardener. You got to understand, they live in a culture where wine was a regular thing that they had. Matter of fact, last night we've been uh, binge watching The Chosen as a family, which, if you have not watched, is awesome. Okay, I am highly critical of things on film and TV, not from a moral sense, from a film fan sense. Okay, I've just been a big movie and TV buff my whole life. And so when Christians come out with stuff, I'm always a little bit like, oh boy, what's this going to be like? You know, because I, 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 I grew up when Kirk Cameron's Left Behind was the good stuff. <laughs> That was like, oh, man, we've reached a new level. No, no, the level was zero. And so, so I, I am all, and I will tell you, The Chosen, uh, and obviously Mel Gibson uh, broke the mold and said Christian stuff can be great, um, and thank God for that. And in the last few years, it's gotten so much better. Love the movie, I can only imagine, and numerous others, but The Chosen is amazing. It is not canon. It is not, this is exactly what happened, and the Bible doesn't tell you that. No, it's a, it's a narrative, but it's great. And last night we watched the episode on uh, Jesus turning water into wine, which is in the Bible. Okay, that part is. Okay. Uh, but, and, and just so you know, for all you uh, hardcore Baptist people out there, Jesus drank wine. Okay. For all you hardcore to AG people, I don't, so relax. Um. Uh, I don't, we don't, my wife and I don't drink because we had alcoholics in our family. I have enough trouble with food and coffee. No need to open that can in our life. If you have some in your life, more power to you. Don't get drunk. That's a sin. The Bible says so. Let's move on. And so, so, but they understand a, a culture that drinks wine. Okay, uh, and, and, and Jesus did that. Uh, they did that. That was a normal part. The first communion was wine. It wasn't some weird non-alcoholic wine that Baptists and Pentecostals years ago tried to explain and make up. It's totally fake. It was wine. Just deal with it. Okay, wrestle with the Holy Spirit on that one. Um, but they, they did. And that, so Jesus speaks to them in agricultural terms. What we want to do now is try and switch things to our terms so that we get it better. Don't. Don't do that. That's a mistake biblically. Understand what it meant then to understand what it means now. That's always what we do with the Bible. Context is everything. God's word comes first, not our culture. Okay? So he's saying, I'm the vine. Jesus is, uh, my father's the gardener. The vine is what grapes would grow on. Okay? Wine grapes would grow on. Anybody here ever been to a wine vineyard? Now you're afraid to raise your hand, aren't you? Yeah, okay, a few of you, all right. All the people in their 20s, what's the matter with you? No, I'm kidding. I'm just teasing you. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. I, I don't drink wine, but it's still an amazing process. Um, it's a science. It's, 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 it's wild. And God, Jesus uses this. <laughs> and all you non-alcoholic people, this is a tough one to wrestle with. Like, Jesus is telling he's, like, he's alcohol. Not really, but hang in there. Um, and, he, and he says, I am the vine, the very thing that gives it life. If you cut off the vine, you have no more fruit. Okay, so you have to have the vine, but then the vine has branches. Okay, he cuts off, his father the gardener, cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. The best, probably teacher I've ever heard on this in my life is a man by the name of Bob Sorge. 
S-O-R-G-E. You can, you can look him up online. I saw him at Bible college 20 years ago. And if you've never heard of him or seen him before, uh, if you YouTube him, you will be thrown off because he talks like this the whole time. I, w- I saw him, I think, within three or five years of him having lost his voice permanently forever and talk like that forever. What happened was he was at a conference, a worship conference that he was speaking at, had them give a worship charge to the Lord, yell, let's yell to the Lord with our, and he yelled and something happened, it's, something went wrong in his throat. Turns out he had vocal nodes from, from that moment. Vocal nodes are polyps that grow on your vocal cords. He got laser surgery to remove it, but they permanently damaged his vocal cords. And from then on, a man with children, a pastor, somebody who speaks for a living, lost his voice forever. And he teaches this better than anybody. He's kind of hard to listen to, though. Um, and he, he came and taught when I was a student at Bible college. He's one of the few, few speakers I can remember that I remember most of what he said because it was so impactful. It was so life-transforming and so shaping for what I was going to see. And and charismatic in Pentecostal circles, we don't like teachings that talk about suffering or God doing things in our life that we don't like or want him to do. We want, give me the blessing. Send your rain, O Lord. Well, my rain is blood and justice. No, not that one. <laughs> you know, we're like, no, no, no. Send the, send the rain that brings healing, water, and wealth. You know, that's the one we want. And you know what? God does both. The truth is God does both. He's a God of incredible justice and wrath and a God of incredible mercy and love. We are, we are guilty of trading out attributes of God. Well, God, if we just solve all this with love, whose definition of it? And are you trading out God's love for justice? Are you trading out God's justice for his mercy? Are you trading out his mercy for his compassion? Are you trading out his compassion for his wrath? We all, uh, the truth is we need a holistic view, biblically, of who God is and who he isn't. And one of the things that God is, is a Right here, he says, is a gardener, and he t- and we are the fruit and, and the branches of the kingdom of God in the world. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, we're connected to it, and we're out ministering in the world. And as we minister and as we go out and do that, here's what happens. He says he cuts off what doesn't produce fruit. Things in our lives, you and I all have things in our lives branches that grow out, stems that grow out, things we do, things we entertain that don't produce fruit, that are fruitless. And God takes his shears and he cuts them off. And whenever he does it, nobody's like, thank you, that was so good. (laughs) Nobody is. It's terrible. It feels awful. And it's from God. Now, we're going to get into it a little more. There's, there's, other, there's other categories. But the first one, what are things that God would want to cut off in our life that say this is fruitless? Matter of fact, it's harmful. Anybody here have kind of a green thumb? You tend like a big garden and stuff like that. Anybody in here? No? A, a couple of you? All right. I, I, I have not been. Now, in the last few years, my wife and I, we've gotten better. Before, if you gave us a plant, you might as well have given us a tombstone because it's going to die. 
right? Now, now, we can, we can hang in there a little bit. We've, things have even lived. It's been amazing, right? I mean, it's been really, really good. But it took, I mean, years. It took 18 years to be like, a lot of plants in our wake. Just a, just a, just a genocide of plants. It's really sad. Um, but, 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 uh, but what we learned and now we're like, oh, oh, this is how you keep these alive, you know? Uh, but one of the things you have to do, like my wife more so does like the vegetables and the garden stuff. I don't tend to that as much, but she does that. But we grow tomato plants. Okay. We grow for some of our own. Anybody here do that? You grow some of your own tomatoes? Nobody in their 20s is raising their hand now. I want wine, not tomatoes. Right. I got it. Okay. So, so. <laughs> tomato wine, is that a thing? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> awful. Yeah, it's called V8, right? Um, <laughs> so, what, where are we even going? Just <laughs> all over the road. <laughs> Let's just let it happen. It's okay. All right, moving back. Tomato plants. There are certain ones, though, that they can grow, like, early in the season. They go big and lush. You're like, this is awesome. But if you let it keep growing, it actually ruins all the others. And those tomatoes bloomed too soon, came to too much, and you can't even eat them. They look good, and they're worthless. And you got to cut them off to make room for the one that's still budding, still growing, that has to grow. God, the gardener on our life, has to come and prune some things to make room for fruit. What are things that God cuts off? Sin. God is a big fan of cutting sin off. He did so at the cross. He's still doing it. Sin in our life is a problem. Matter of fact, let me jump into something here. The phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner, is not hate speech it's love speech. Sin should be hated by us. Sinners should be loved by us. Why? Because we are. We should hate sin in our own lives, but we don't hate ourselves. We hate sin in the world, but we don't hate the world. We hate the ways of the world. We don't hate the world. Okay? We can hate things about culture, but we don't hate the people of the culture. God so loved the world, right? But, but we hate sin. Some of you are like, I don't, I, don't, I don't hate sin. And I'm not talking about hate that you're like, you raise up a flag and, I don't know, it looks like some weird neo-Nazi thing, but it says sin. No, that's not the type of hate we're talking about. We're talking about a righteous hate. A, uh, and, and we could even probably use a different term. But an anger at it that says, I despise this thing that brings death and separation from God in my life. That's what that means. It's not, I hate a behavior and wish it to be punished on somebody. Jesus already punished sin. It's called Calvary, the cross. He killed it. And now he invites us to do the same through the power of the cross. We are to hate sin. God does that in our lives when we invite him in. If you don't know Jesus, you're like, this is weird. I don't understand. What's the concept of sin? Sin is a, basically a, a thing, a trespass against God and his nature and his divine order. It is a rejection of him. 
That's what a sin is. We do it a lot. We're really good at it, all of us. We do it over and over every single day. That's why Jesus said, ask for forgiveness every day. Somebody years ago taught me a heresy. You can live sinless for a little while. They were wrong. (laughs) You cannot. And if you think you can, that's a sin. (laughs) It's called pride. Anyway, moving on. All right, so we want God to cut away sin in our life. Here's the best part about that. He does that, and some he, some of the ways he does that is kindly and gently, like ch- just changing our wants. Like I don't want that anymore. You know, God set me free of pornography when I was 19 years old. Set me free. It was awesome. And I'm I'm still human. Can I still be tempted with the eyes? Sure. But every time I've even gotten close, you know. And don't get me wrong. I'm good. Nobody has to worry here. <laughs> all right. None of that's in my life at all. But any time over the years where I felt like the devil was trying to tempt me or pull me back to that, I just realized God changed my wants. Like, I don't want that. I did that in my life. I don't want that anymore. I, I know what that tastes like. It's disgusting. It's a, it's a hole that's just horrible to climb out of. I don't want it. Thank God. Okay? I don't drink alcohol. I'm not tempted by it. Beer to me tastes like what it looks like. If you enjoy it, more power to you, okay? I'm not putting you, good for you. It's not a temptation for me. But I have other temptations, right? But I want God, we want God, and should want God to change our wants so that our wants are wanting God. Make me like you and cut sin out. You're never going to be sinless, but you can sin less. That's what God's pruning does. Other things that God cuts off, sometimes he cuts off relationships. That person you should not be dating, God can cut them off. There were, I think there was like two or three girls before I met my wife and, and, and at Bible college. You know, and when you're in Bible college, man, this is like an incubator for marriage. Just like, bam, two, three weeks, you can be married. It is on. Right, Kurt, am I right? Is that right? Yeah, it's, it can be right, okay. Okay. Uh, Terry knows what I'm talking about. He was, a, he was in Texas with me, right? Two weeks sitting with a girl. Yeah, two weeks sitting with a girl, you might as well be engaged. I didn't know her last name, but I, I was dating her, <laughs> okay? That is so the way it is, and you know what? And, and there was literally like two or three girls before then, and it's funny, he's not here, but Chris, he would, he would very lovingly be like, uh, uh, she is a giant waste of your time and you need to cut her off. And that is me cleaning up his words. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and he would say that to me, and here's the deal, for, for me and that person, it was right. It doesn't mean that's true about that person, they were, but it, for me and that person, it, it was right. They were not God's design for me until Ange came along. And he, the first girl ever that he's like, you should, you should call her. You should get her number. And I remember being like, is this the Holy Spirit? Because he hates every other woman I talk to. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. And I thought maybe, and he was right about every, like he would, he would, uh, it, I thought it was prophetic. No, he had just played the field a lot. And, and, and I had not, I had not dated a lot of women. So, and, and everything he said that would happen with other women, like the things they were doing, they're like, they're manipulating you. This is bad. He was right every time. So when he's like, hey, you should call her. I was like, man, maybe I should listen to this <laughs> because, and he was right. He was right. 
I married up, and it was awesome. But God cut off relationships. There was one girl. I, w- I kind of, quote, dated her for like three weeks. This is the year before I met Ange, long before God got a hold of my life. But, and I remember God just telling me over and over, break it off, break it off, break it off. Something in my gut and my spirit to the point that I could no longer feel God's presence. Which is pretty rough when you're in Bible college in, pre- in God's presence every day, worship 8 a.m., classes till 11, and then worship and another speaker that are unbelievable every single day. Imagine a conference Monday through Friday every day of your life for two years. That's what I lived in. It was amazing. And then I had a week or two where I just didn't feel God anymore. It was not cool. And I remember just being like, all right, God, all right. I tried to break it off once, didn't, didn't take Seinfeld's right. The first breakup never takes, right? <laughs> Always takes two or three. <laughs> and, and sure enough, I came back around <laughs> two weeks later, uh, manned, up, manned up again and said, hey, we, I don't know why, but, uh, and, and sure enough, that girl later on, that girl later on ended up sleeping with another guy at Bible college. She left the school. He got kicked out. Wonder why. And, uh, and, 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 and I remember thinking, that would have been me. Because there's no way I would have been strong enough to hold, hold the standard at that point. Because if I wasn't strong enough to break up with her, you know, I wasn't strong enough to lead her. God would have held that. Now, in that time, we had done nothing. I'd never even kissed the girl. I'd held her hand. Nothing had been done wrong. Nothing. I had broken no rules. Neither did she. It, was, it seemed as pure as it could be. But I knew God was like, I am cutting this off. This is not for me. Stop. It was hard. It hurt. I cried for hours. And I felt God's presence again. Instantly returned to me. You say, well, uh, God doesn't do that. God doesn't. <laughs> Man, I, I don't care what you think God does or doesn't do. I know what happened. Now, that doesn't mean God left me. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit wasn't in my life at all anymore. But just that awareness of his presence had left. Is God trying to say, hey, we need to cut this off? What else? What else can God just cut off? Jobs. I just told you about that, right? One day I had all the favor in the world. The next day they wanted me out in the world. <laughs> you're like, gone, you're done. Anybody here ever lost a major job, never didn't know what you were going to do? One person, that's it? Wow, you guys are, get, tell me who your company is. I need to get in on that. <laughs> and it just throws everything off. What if it's God cutting it off and saying, I have something better? It's going to hurt, though. And here's the last thing before we move on to the next thing. God can even cut off your vision. What if you have a vision for your life? You feel God gave you a vision and a call, and God says, I'm cutting that right off. I think I've told you this before, but I had a vision for my life that I would be this traveling speaker, staying in great hotels, speaking at big venues, etc. And you're like, you're not that good. Thank you. But that's what I thought maybe I would get to. And I have friends who that's where they are and that's what they're doing. Man, I thank God he cut that vision off my life. I did not want that. I want to be about the kingdom, not my kingdom. I don't want to be growing something bigger. I want to be growing something holy. Now, they're not mutually exclusive, but 
Lord, I want to be about what he would do. A Western idea says, God would never do that to me. God would never cut something out of my life. He would, he would, he would, only, he would only do, you know, good things for me. He would never cut things off that are near and dear to my heart. Okay? Have you heard of circumcision? God will go there. I'm dead serious. Now, thankfully, we're on this side of that, on this side of the covenant. You don't have to do that. Okay? Not going to ask for a raising of hands on this one. Okay? But God is willing to go to the most personal places because it doesn't matter if it's important to us. It matters if it's important to him. He does care about what's important to us, but he cares so much that he knows what's important to him is better than what's important to us. It's not just for our now or for our life, but for our eternity. Where are you busy, but you're not productive? That's where God may want to step in and say, we're going to cut that off. We're going to stop doing that. Well, I have seven jobs. Man, good for you on your, on your work ethic. That's great. But is it God? Well, I need, but I need the money from there. Is it God? How much do you trust him? When we launched Thrive Church, my wife did not want to do this church for 12 years. And I understand why now. <laughs> All I saw was vision. <laughs> I never saw bills. <laughs> you know, she did. She knew. I, I see him now. Okay, they're paid, we're up, no debt, we're good. Okay, but, but I remember, how am I going to pay the bills? The church was going to pay us for a couple of months that we were blessed and sent out of. And then the day this church started, literally, that paycheck was over, and it was whatever came in. Total launch of faith. I had no other job, I had no outside, I did not, we didn't borrow money, and we didn't raise a bunch Hey, that sounds like wisdom across the board. It does, doesn't it? But God said, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to bless you in this. Now, look, we haven't taken much of any pay increases, but we've never missed a paycheck because God is faithful. He is faithful to his faithful. If God cuts something off, realize it's for your good. It may hurt. It does hurt. Second thing, he also says he will prune what does bear good fruit. Jesus says he's going to prune things. He's going to cut things off in your life that are fruitful. Has that ever happened to anybody? Where this was good, it was productive, it was powerful. God was using it and it's gone. Why, God, why did you cut this off? I can't always answer. I mean, I, I, what I can tell you is to bear fruit. God will, is cutting it off to bear fruit somewhere else, somehow else, some other way else. But the best analogy I can give, I can give a lot. I've been through this a bunch of times in my life. One major season in my life, though, that we had to leave behind in 2007... We were called out of a town in Amory, Wisconsin. I was the youth pastor, worship pastor, associate pastor, whatever the other pastor didn't want to do, pastor. And we had just a, man, we had a killer youth group. 
we saw that youth group grow from 40 to 15 <laughs> to 70 in a church about our size now, about 120. There's some pictures, I think, that you can throw up there. And there's, these are just a few pictures of, of our youth group. And that top right picture there is literally moments before we drove away from them forever. That's just, a, that's just a chunk of our kids. It's not even all our kids over the years. And God just moved. I mean, kids got saved every single week for a while. Kids were speaking in tongues, and nobody even taught on it. It just happened in their own prayer time. Kids' parents were getting saved because their kids got saved. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was the first like major season of ministry in my life. God was just moving, rocking us. But things were growing, and 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 I got to the place where the pastor trusted me. You know, I had, I had like three or four worship teams uh, rotating in and out. We we would do worship nights and run out the auditorium in the city and and kind of fill it up. And and it was it was just awesome. And then one day, God said, hey, I want you to start a college ministry and move back to Madison. And then he made it plain. I mean, crazy plain. And that's a whole other story. But I remember, man, the day we left them, we drove away. My wife and I, we were in the Dells at a retreat, and we were driving to Madison. And it's, that's about a 45-minute drive. And we bawled the whole way. Just grief upon grief. Why, God? Why did you end this beautiful move? Why would you call me out? Why would you say it's over? We were going to move into a youth center and all this other stuff. Bob Sorge said it this way. The kingdom of God actually suffers loss when God prunes you. Even God loses in this season. But he is willing to suffer loss today for the sake of greater fruit tomorrow. The back end of that story is we started the ministry. Jen's here. I didn't even know you were going to be here. She was in Master's Commission. She could testify to it. We went to place after place where what we experienced, Amory, we watched happen all over the country in one night. I kid you not, I mean youth groups that went from 15 to 60 overnight. And those kids all got saved that night, and they all stayed. They all stayed. We left that night. They stayed. They stayed saved. They stayed plugged in. Some of them are in ministry today. I didn't see that. At that moment, I left that. I saw hurt. And the truth is, God at times will prune something in your life that is fruitful, and, he, and it seems like you love it. But here's the thing. Grieve it. It's okay to grieve it. It's okay. It hurts. It's okay you lost something. But also realize God will cause you to bear much fruit again. It is not for nothing. It is for a purpose. Some of you left other churches and came here. You're like, why? God, I don't want to do that. I like this church. They have a building. They don't ask me to put stuff away. <laughs> they have people who do that. <laughs> Why am I here? Fair enough. I've asked the same questions. 
Because God wants to do something new. This last year, I just met with, uh, met with I, I was speaking with Jimena, actually, earlier this week, and, and she had said, uh, she had even said, man, how can you deny what God has done in this past year in our church? Just seen so many people come to Christ. We've seen exponential growth. We've seen order from the chaos and, and so much more. Like, God has been so faithful and good. But for, for a season there, and I know more than once, I felt like, all right, God, this, this seems like it was a bad idea. <laughs> more than once, I was like, maybe somebody else needs to be doing this. And here's what I would ask you. Are you allowing God to prune things? Are you allowing God to say, even what's fruitful in my life, God, if you need to, go ahead. Even the thing that I wanted most, are, are you willing for him to say, cut it off? It can be really painful. Stop asking God why. Because first, why, uh, some of you, it's okay to ask God why. I'm not saying it's wrong, but stop. First, let me, let me put this in your pocket. If God told you why, would you feel any better? Maybe, maybe a little, but it wouldn't make it different. Stop asking God why and start saying, what do you want to teach me? What are you doing in my life? Show me. I'm open. Do it in me. Whatever you want, I'm willing, I'm ready. And third, he does it because he wants you to produce more fruit, right? He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. That's the verse. Hebrews 12, 6, the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one he accepts as a child. You need to get this. This comes before the increase. This comes before the blessing. This comes before the promotion. Every time. And everything that looks like a promotion in the kingdom of God, almost every time in the natural looks like a demotion. Leaving the last job that was the biggest church I'd ever been a part of on staff that paid pretty well and didn't actually require nearly as much of me as this job does. This didn't look as attractive in the natural. But you can't look at things through the natural eyes. You've got to look at through the lens of the kingdom, through the lens of the gardener, that not sees what's bearing fruit, but where more fruit can be bore, where something can be grown out Coming to maturity, coming to total fruition. But that's harder. It's longer. Bob Sorry used this illustration, and it was pretty good. He goes, you, you go to the store, and what do you have? You have instant potatoes. You have instant, what else? What is, what is, what is instant that you can buy in the store? Kool-Aid. What? Coffee, instant coffee. Noodle, instant noodles. What else? Rice, instant rice, instant bacon. Yes. Huh? Lunchables. Instant pudding. But you know what there aren't? There's no instant fruit. And there never will be. And if there is, please don't buy it. 
because that's called instant cancer. Okay, moving on. Jesus uses this story and comes at this time in history to give us this reason to explain it, to help us understand it this way. This is going to hurt and it's going to take time, but there will be a harvest. We're all Illinois, Chicagoland people. Everybody here been to the apple farm once or twice? Right? Yeah. We'll drive to Michigan or Indiana, get out of this godforsaken state for a few minutes, (laughs) enjoy the fruit of somebody else's labor. Just as our government does with us every day. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about, Brian? Now I'm in trouble. I apologize for all of you who love our tax rate. That's, Jesus said, render to Pritzker. What is Pritzker's? <laughs> um, I think I got that right. So, but we all do. But here's the deal. What we don't see is two years, a year, the hours, the man hours of, to those trees coming. What we see is, hey, look, apples again. I left with a bushel. (laughs) That's all we see. But the hours and the time and the energy and the sweat... That's, that's what went into that over months and months. And in May, right now, they can't see what's going to happen, but they know. And they're going to cut some stuff down that isn't going to work. And they're going to let some other stuff grow. That's the analogy Jesus uses. And some of you, God is pruning stuff in your life right now. And you've been blaming the devil. <laughs> you've been rebuking stuff. You've been repenting of everything. Ah, it's all my fault. And, and that's, that's all part of the pruning process because God is cleaning house. Yes, God, I, I'm sorry, Lord, for the garbage in my life. Clean me out. You start going to people like, did I offend you? What can I do to me? Just everything to try and figure it out and order it. And here's the deal. Do all of that. But in the end, you're still going to come back to, because God is using it. That's part of the pruning process of letting him cleanse you. Get stuff out of your life. Move it out. But the issue is our hearts and saying, God, align me with yours. And what are you doing? You're cleaning me out. You're giving me something new. You're bringing something new into my life, and I want you to do it. It hurts, and I hate it. But please do it. I want to be better. You know, when I finally met Ange, my wife, my love, I made a decision that says, God, no, I'm done until the one. I will date nobody else. Seriously, I made that decision like hardcore. And I think I'd made it maybe four months before we decided to start pursuing a relationship. Not that long. Some of you think, if I make that decision, I'll just never date anybody ever again. Man, think higher of yourself, first of all. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. But second, I said, you know what, God? Cut off my view of who I need to be with so I can gain yours. And that's what he did. And he did that. 
abundantly more than I could ask, think, or imagine. He still is. My wife is still the second best thing that ever happened to me outside of meeting Jesus. She still makes me a better man every single day of my life. God is good and he's faithful. He will do the work. Pruning hurts. And you got to grieve it. And you got to wrestle with God with it. And then, eventually, you got to say, and now what are you doing? And I lean into it. Do it, God. For some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, it's a, a vision you had for your life. For some of you, it's maybe it's your financial future. I feel like somebody, that's somebody in this room, like you had a financial future and now it is ruined. And even the Lord would say, no, you have to trust me. And the Lord's even telling them, like, up your giving game. I'm not talking like a weird, sow your seed and then God will, like, no, 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 no. You wrestle with that with the Lord. We know what the Bible says about giving. Beyond that, you figure it out. Okay, and if you want to talk about it ever, I will be happy to with you. For some of you, man, it is a boyfriend or a girlfriend that, man, they are, God loves them, but they are a waste of your time. Drop them. They <laughs> say, well, I love them, and God, If they're not God's plan for you, you're not God's plan for them, and it's dead weight for both of you when it comes to God. Drop it. It can hurt. I'm not saying it won't hurt, but let it go. For some of you, it is a job that you've been at 20-some years, and it is just, you're just stuck. And either you need to let go of the future of what you thought it was supposed to be, or God's been calling you out. God never reveals footing in steps of faith until they're taken. But he will. Why? Because he's faithful to the faithful. And the faithless, no doubt. But as we grow in Christ, as we mature and get pruned, he says, I'm faithful to you when you're faithless. But as you grow in me, I'm more faithful to you as you're faithful. Doesn't mean his mercy won't cover us, it won't draw us back, it won't. But man, the Lord loves a childlike heart that says, hey, I'll do it. I'll follow, I'll go where you go. I'll do what you want to do. I know I'm bragging on her a lot this morning, but my wife has done that so many times where we have packed up the moving van and left everything because of the call of God. And she just went with in places we qualified for food stamps, government health care, numerous other things that are subpar compared to what other people have. But we've tasted and seen the Lord is good and he is faithful and takes care of us. He can make government cheese taste as good as godly cheese. Tastes as good as palace cheese. He really can. Just back to that scripture and let's stand together.
I am the true grapevine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. A pruning comes before an increase. That's not a prosperity message. That's a promise message from God. I don't know what the increase is going to be. I'm not saying it's going to be financial. I'm not saying it's going to be bigger. What I'm saying is it's going to be from God and it's going to be better. If God takes you out of ministering to thousands to ministering to three homeless, it'll be better. If God takes you out of the big church to the nothing church, he'll use it. It'll be better than what you thought it could be. Even abundantly more. Because he's good like that. And I pray over my church today as your pastor. I pray that God gives them, gives you the grace for the season of pruning and the preparation for the season of blessing. That your character keeps up with the outpouring and stays ahead of it. That all the things that God wants to do in and through you, that, that as we sang, that this season tethers your heart to the Father. That it draws you deeper and says, I'm not leaving till I have held the hem of your garment and you have looked me in the eyes. I don't want to just be healed. I want to be in your heart. And I want to belong there. Please, God, do it in me forever. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.